In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19, verse 14. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm going to be bringing you homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God dwells in a life that's often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes exciting. Each week, I invite a guest to join me for part of the show to talk about aspects of family life, which usually relates to homeschooling and always speaks straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child rearing above their highest joy. I come to you with an English accent from the Lone Star State, where everyone thinks I hail from far away East Texas. I do come from very far away East, where the wise men lived, but more about that later. My guest today is returning after two years. Some of you may remember Larry Farris, a family man who discovered the pleasure of homeschooling his children while he and his were abroad for a few months. They took an RV trip around America when they returned and never looked back to public school. And for me, it's time for 11sies, a mid-morning break to tide me over until lunch. And I'll be talking about the the end-of-the-year celebrations, also known in our house as Christmas Boxing Day, New Year, and birthdays. I'll tell you about some of the things we did during colder-than-England weather and how I'll be easing into 2013 and generally wondering how my break from the show flew by before I had a chance to catch it. Well, welcome back, and Happy New Year to everyone. And as you can probably hear, I'm suffering from the remains of a cold, and I still have a bit of a cough, but... Apart from that, I feel great. For me, entering into 2012 is a bit on the odd side. Not that I'm superstitious or anything. I've lived in many houses with 13 in the street number. But I loved 2012 so much it was hard to let it go. And it's only been four days, so I don't know what I'm talking about. I've still got plenty of time to get over it. At least the world didn't end, which means I'll be able to learn how to use my brand new Keurig. Yep, we got one of those coffee machines. It started out as a Starbucks model. Guess why? Yes, our star barista treated us. It was a fabulous machine that made espresso really well, but not a lot else. We kept it for a few days, had some discussions and watched some demo comparisons on YouTube. Don't you just love being able to do that? And decided that since Keurig had been around for a few additional years and managed to iron out a lot of kinks and add greatly to its repertoire of pods, that we'd return the Verissimo and replace it with a machine that we could use more. 
I love the fact that there's a reusable pod in the Keurig that we can brew our own coffee in. Although for one cup, it uses about three times the coffee. But the convenience of making one cup at a time takes away the temptation of drinking two cups from my cafetiere at lunchtime. I can now spread my caffeine enjoyment out over a longer period during the day. Did you know that coffee in a pod, you know, that little doodad that's used in the machine to brew a cuppa, works out to cost about $52 pounds. Now, I don't want to scare all of you if you're taking back your cure eggs, but that's an expensive cup of coffee. Anyway, but a very convenient cup of coffee makes buying Starbucks seem really affordable. <laughs> anyway, talking of affordable, Dorts and I experienced birthdays during this time. Mine, not so important. Hers, really important. She turned 21 which is a big drinking deal here, the final hurdle to surmount, although I don't see why it's such an issue for her since she's been legal in England for years. So suffice it to say, she went and had a drink just after midnight in her, on her birthday, accompanied by her older brother. Then in the morning, while she was opening presents, she asked us if we wanted her to go buy a pack of beers or something. Ha ha. Well, that wasn't the cheap connection anyway. We both had gift certificates, so we went shoe shopping, her favorite thing to do. I don't know why I wanted a pair of shoes. It may have something to do with the fact that I have all mine still packed away in the attic somewhere, and I'm growing weary of my trusty Sperry's. But we both found lovely shoes, which we vowed we were going to keep for the upcoming wedding. You know, find your shoes and work your outfit around them. That's a little bit random, isn't it? I do that, though. I do that with meals. I look in the fridge and I go... Well, look, it looks as though we have a load of tomatoes. What can we have with tomatoes? You know, I kind of start from the bottom up. Anyway, my brand new shoes have six-inch heels. haven't worn heels since my corporate days. And I can still walk in them. They're a little booty in classical colors of cream, lilac, and pink, silky fabric. And they were immediately comfortable. So I will probably wear mine for the wedding, at least for one part of the wedding, you know, the church part. Then for the reception, I'll slip into something a little bit more comfortable, like my slippers. No, just kidding. And I took a break from the computer over the holiday. My office was so cold because it snowed on Christmas Day. Yeah, I know, you can never count on it to be a white Christmas here in the South, but white it was. And we all dashed outside to take photos to prove it. One minute it was raining, then after Les Miserables, which we went to see on Famille at lunchtime, the snow was thick on the ground. After stopping off at relatives after the movie for a warming bellini or two, we dashed home to huddle around the fire. And then we made a break for it outside in our sweaters and flushed cheeks and took photos in the back 40 to put it on record that it had actually snowed on the 25th of December. Cries of, you put your jacket on, where's your scarf? You'll need gloves. Fell on deaf ears. They're all grown now. And we were back again inside before the cold seeps through our slippers and into ruined our little woolly socks that we got in our stockings. I enjoyed being unplugged for a bit, not answering my email and not having to empty my, empty my spam box. But you know what? That little monkey filled up fast. I'd have to get on just to get rid of my junk mail at least once a day. There's nothing quite so daunting as opening up my email to find 60 things sitting in my spam box, you know, my, my, my spam box. I guess that's what it's called, a spam box. I didn't miss writing or keeping up with what was going on in the outside world. In fact, I rather enjoyed being centered around family instead of centered around my computer screen. Although all the entertaining and cooking I did rather wore me out. 
I said to my good old Texas cowboy, are we getting old or do we still have half our hearts in England? This is a mystery we're living with at the moment. Being worn out was helped along by the presence of colds and aches and pains. And I think everybody around our immediate neighborhood, at least, suffered from the same thing. And it's so disappointing when you're ill. I remember taking all the kids to England for the one and only Christmas we spent in England. And the boys came down with the flu. Anyway, my blue-eyed cowboy started it all with fluid-like affliction the week before Christmas or the week before the week before Christmas, which stalled the putting up of the Christmas tree and other little preparation festivities that we do. Then everything was fine until I came down with a cold after the Boxing Day party, or at least I didn't capitulate until the party was over, and then whammo, it hit. But I still went down to see Grandmama the next afternoon and do her Christmas with her. Nothing like a little bit of chicken soup for a bit of the the under-the-weather feeling. And we stayed the night and celebrated the following day with more family members. But I was glad to get home and back into my bed. And I spent maybe a day in bed, on and off. But then she got the flu. And she still works at Walmart. And she sees so many and hangs out with so many people at Walmart that she must have picked up some nasty old germ because, I mean, she is really sick at the moment. We're going down on Sunday just to see how she's doing. And does anyone else get weird feelings during the holiday? You know, kind of like those weird, supposed to be all about joy and family and giving and ends up being filled with ups and downs. I tried analyzing it this year because it just, it just seemed to hit me because the day was just like in the middle of the week and it just threw everything off. No other holiday does this. Maybe it's because my birthday and other birthdays are all thrown in. It's the end of the year. And why can't the end of December be like the end of any other month? You know, but it isn't. And it drags on and on for days after the after the actual holiday, even though everyone goes back to work or at least the stores are open until the next holiday comes around next week. You know, it's the end of the year doldrums. I hate it. One year we all went away to a lake the week between Christmas and New Year. And that helped a lot. And I think this year, I just want to go on holiday. Yes, it is this year, isn't it? This year, when it's the end of the year, I think I want to go on holiday. I said that twice so that my blue-eyed cowboy will, you know, sort of mark it down and set it in stone for me. He's listening in the other room. Anyway, so we've had two weeks of Christmas carols. On Sunday, all that changes. Epiphany marks the next chapter in the history of salvation. The Magi come to pay homage to the G- Jesus, to the child Jesus, As Gentiles, Herod grows suspicious of their search for the one who has been born king of the Jews. So he pulls the wise men to one side and says, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report it to me so that I too may go and worship him. You'll find that story in Matthew. King Herod wanted to kill this baby threat to his kingdom, not worship him at all. But the Magi and Joseph were warned by angels in dreams not to return to Jerusalem. And in retaliation, Herod gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem who were two years old and under. And so we know right from the get-go that this child born to us at Christmas was more than just a cute little baby. And so the story unfolds through the next season of the year. We've always kept the tree around. In fact, it's still up for my birthday and then Malia's. But the remembered sweetness of anticipation among the faded tinsel several days after the day gives it the feeling of dragging on and on and on. Looking at the rows of cars that have lost their anticipation, knowing that no one will add to that 
little row of Christmas cards now, so might as well take them down. Have you noticed that Valentine and Easter cards and chocolates are already out in the grocery stores? Anyway, I don't think I will feel back to normal until after the weekend. I just don't want to give up my lazing in bed mornings. I always took a long time to get back to school after the holidays while I had young children. When some of my clan started attending college, I could wait even longer. It just didn't seem right to have my younger children doing school while the older ones were still on break. I can procrastinate no more. There are people to see and weddings to play. toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on Toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen. On toginet.com, ministry is filled with both highs and lows, victories and struggles. It can be the best job of the world, but it can also be the hardest. Where do you find the balance between serving God and the joy of truly knowing Him? Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central. Join us each week as pastor's wife, best-selling author, and host Joanna Weaver interviews women who serve God from the heart, both those who are well-known and those who minister in less visible ways. You'll discover tools for the ministry, but more importantly, you'll learn how to give God access to the deep places in your heart. For ministry is more than what we just do in public. It is who we are in private. Wellspring is here to inspire you to look into your heart of hearts and invest in the place ministry truly begins. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So join us for an hour that just might change your life. It's Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with host Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, my guest today is Larry Farris, a homeschool father who took his family to Mexico for the winter in his RV, loved homeschooling so much, he and his wife decided to continue RV schooling and tour around the United States for 10 months. Larry holds a Bachelor of Science in Management from Linfield College in Oregon and founded a capital group in 1993, which now specializes in centers and We'll learn more about that during our conversation. Good morning, Larry. Welcome to my show. Good morning, Vivian. It's great to hear from you again. 
Yes, and you. And you know what? I was looking through um, your bio and some of the some of the stuff that your assistant sent me, and I thought, you know what? The last time <laughs> the last time you were on the show, we didn't talk anything about what you do. So I was thinking, is this the same Larry Farris that I spoke to two years ago? So um, obviously it is. And um, I just want to, you know, sort of say to you, let's talk a little bit about the holiday in your family. And then let's talk a little bit, little bit about your business, because it seems as though you do a lot in um, finances. That might be something really interesting to talk about today, um, coming into the new year. Plan. Well, sure. You're, you know, yeah, you're, you're in charge. I'd love to, love to follow your lead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, how were your holidays? Yeah, it's, it was terrific. We, um, this is a unique time in our lives, uh, in relative to homeschooling. So my boys are 17, 19, and 22 years old. And my, uh, my 22 year old son returned from his mission in Brazil. He was serving in the, uh, the ghettos in Sao Paulo for two years. And he returned a year ago. And in this last year, he's been, uh, heavily engaged dating a, a young lady. So, uh, she's been off at, uh, Southern Virginia University. And she's a great homeschool girl as well. And, uh, they finally announced, uh, this Christmas season that they're, they're formalizing their plans for a wedding in June. And so this has been a, a great time around that. And then also my, 19-year-old son is serving a mission in Michigan, and uh, we get very minimal contact with him. So we got a Christmas call, and we get a couple of phone calls a year. And so it was really exciting to hear from Vincent in Michigan and get a, an engagement from my son and, and wrap that all up, all up with the spirit of Christ at Christmas. It was just a wonderful time for us. Yeah, yeah, well, great. So you didn't get to see your middle son at Christmas? No, no, they're, they're you know, they're out and fully committed for a couple of years. And one other item is my, my younger son released a, an album. He's a, a wonderful improvisational uh, pianist. And if uh, somebody would like a free download, I'll give a plug of his website if you don't mind. Go ahead. His, his name is Hunter Ferris. So his website is Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, Ferris, F-A-R-R-I-S. <laughs> and uh, what's unique about his music is that um, it's, it's, all, it, it's all basically improvised. He doesn't write it. He doesn't create it. He just plays it and records it as it comes. And uh, he has, I think, about a dozen Christmas songs up. And what I love about improvisational piano music is that it it doesn't follow all the rules. So there's a, it just stretches your emotions, and things come through his music that wouldn't come when you're in perfect full four time and all these kind of things. And uh, it's, it's, you know, people think it's quite inspiring. So is there's, there's free music there. It would inspire your next Christmas season and bring Christ in your life. And there's no words. It's just improvisational piano. So anybody would like to go to hunterferris.com and enjoy that. All right. Well, great. Um, I will definitely put that link on my page on the Tokenet site and um, encourage people to go there. Okay, so you have a wedding, June, we had a wedding in April. We spent a year in England and came back last July um, to the news that my second son um, was going to propose to his girlfriend, whom we hadn't met yet. So can you hear me all right? Uh, There was a clip there. I lost about five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, as I was saying, we're getting a... um, uh, we're having a wedding, too, in April, April the 5th. And it's kind of coming around really fast. You think, oh, gosh, six months is plenty of time. And now we're only down to, like, three months. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's kind of moving along pretty fast. And um, yeah. so that's that's exciting, too. So we had an extra an extra member because her family is from Michigan. And so she was uh, here in, in uh, so. Yeah, 
that's exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. It, it, uh, you know, for the man side, you know, I, I see all these uh, brides and wives and sisters and such. They all, you know, they're all, you know, the man's role in a wedding is typically write the check. And uh, that's <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, I just kind of stand back and watch and grin and let yeah. the let the other side of the household enjoy it, and yeah. we're 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 kind of off busy producing, and you know, protect, provide, preside is the primary role, and so uh, it's it's just wonderful to see family being able to spend the time and focus and develop the 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 connectivity around you know yeah. a wedding and these side of celebrations. That's right. So you just have your youngest son living with you at home right now. Spencer's back with us. He was, yeah. He's. I have. I have my oldest son and my youngest son. And Spencer's okay. back with us, kind of getting prepared. So he'll he'll be heading out in June when he gets married. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, so when we when we talked a couple of years ago, we talked about how you got into homeschooling, which was you know sort of your trip to Mexico, and then you went to Costa Rica, and um, then you decided that homeschooling really was a good thing. You were a little bit worried at first, but then you realized that your kids, you know, hadn't lost anything by not going to school. In fact, they probably gained um, quite a bit by, by traveling, the traveling that you did. Um, um, we talked about um, how you can, you know, kind of get out of the classroom and do um, other things besides kind of conventional, traditional school, especially as your boys we're getting older. And I know a lot of homeschoolers worry about that. They worry, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to be doing through high school? What is my child supposed to know by the time he or she graduates from school? How did you deal with that as a family? We, we primarily skipped it. Um, so Spencer, you know, our, our experience, it's a blend, you know, you, you, I, I have my own, you know, theology around homeschooling and theories with God's word in our heart. And, uh, uh, each one of my boys wanted to have some kind of a high school experience. So Spencer started out, um, about 14, uh, he started doing the community college thing. And that was really fun because a side note there, if I could. So as a homeschool that you don't really know how well your kids are doing, right? Just my 14 year old. And we're saying, well, why don't you go try the community college and take some basic classes? So he tested the community college for admission. And, um, and Arizona has a very robust, uh, I think it's the largest campus. It's 250,000 students in their community college here in, in Maricopa. Uh, it's a very robust, very big institution, very formal, you know, we say so kind of thing, you know. And, uh, and so Spencer took the admission exams and, uh, and they came back and they called us in as parents and they, they, they were kind of used to this homeschool thing somewhat. And they said, uh, okay, so here's the thing. He, he doesn't need any English to graduate. Uh, from college, <laughs> but he has to actually have the credit. So he's passed all of our requirements to mm-hmm. be a college graduate, but he still has to take the class. Yeah. Well, that was, that was great news. And, um, and then, and, and so he, he had, had apparently had enough background in, in writing and reading and literature and such that they felt like he didn't need any more college class, which is pretty neat for a 14 year old to kind of take a walk on those things. And then the other thing they said is it take us a while to figure this out. But um, it, the, the way their math test worked is that he scored such a high score on the math test, it, it gave negative feedback. And they had to go kind of mess around and figure out, figure out what the thing was. And they decided that my 14-year-old son's um, first class ever in math, because we'd just done the home thing, was going to be three-dimensional calculus with analytical geometry. Right. That was the <laughs> last class they offered in the engineering program before they graduated engineers out of the associates program. Oh and we're like, are you sure? And they said, well, <laughs> I think so. But that's what we wanted to talk to you about. Uh-huh. And, um, 
And because, you know, if we're wrong, we don't want to cause this kid damage. As I, you know, I don't know. So we had conversation back and forth. And, and I realized that, well, yeah, he may. So anyway, he took his first math class ever at, you know, 14 or 15 years old, something like that, was uh, three-dimensional calculus with analytical geometry at the, in the engineering department at the local college. And he hit the ball so hard, it was just like everybody else in class was just awestruck. And the, I called the teacher a few weeks in. I said, you know, he's young. How's he doing? He says, well, he's doing great in the class, but he's got a lot of enemies <laughs> because yeah. normally our class has this kind of curve, maybe 10 or 15 points, and there's no curve this time. And uh, so that was it was really rewarding. So my first point was is that, is that it was fun to see – for the first time, how how our children were competing uh, in the world. So Spencer started in the college environment. He did that. He took computer classes. He took engineering classes. And he took his English and that kind of stuff. And one thing I want to caution people about is that, especially with their younger students when they transition to the college environment, my view is that many, many collegiate institutions have very strong social engineering pro- pro- programs. They're very much into you know, pr- pr- promoting an agenda. So the second English class that Spencer took at the college was uh, amazingly odd to me. And what they did is they required they required the students to do most of their work in groups. This is English writing, advanced writing. Okay. And then the projects they were supposed to write about were uh, the whole the whole class revolved around the United Nations Millennium Agenda. Mm-hmm. And if you've read the Millennium Agenda, it's it's very very anti-family. It's very very. It's icky. <laughs> and, and, and so as soon as we realized that Spencer was in that type of a course environment where he could do 100% of his own work and still only get a C-, minus, and the rest of it was relying upon how he, he had to participate in a poverty simulation. And he had to participate in a, some other kind of a social program and such. And, and then he had to do all this group work. We're like, okay, you're out of there. And we took him out. And that's the thing I want, I wanted to mention to parents is that, you know, when, if you do transition young students into college environment, you, you know, they're still young. They're still impressionable. They're still, you know, God still gave me the stewardship to raise that young man. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to turn them over to that kind of potential evil influence in their lives mm-hmm. until they have more discernment. And, uh, and so as a parent, we just said, no, you're out. And, uh, and we, took him out of that class, dropped it completely, and then picked up another English class in another semester with another teacher. Yeah. Um, so that was, that's just kind of some sideways notes. Is, but what we did is we, most of our kids transitioned to, um, to college uh, early, and then, um, and then all of them wanted to do something in high school, and all of them have done some things in high school. And Spencer terribly regretted uh, going back to the high school environment. He was like, you know, I've never done the prom, and, you know, let me do that. Okay. And he went back, and he took some of the honors classes and such and some of the AP classes in the local high school. It's a great high school program, but for him, it was not It was not rewarding. It was He was already well-transitioned emotionally, and his interest levels were different, and uh, um, and uh, he felt like he'd wasted a lot of time. He got, he got college credit for, for his time there, but it took him a lot of time to get that credit. In the meantime, he was already working, you know, half-time at a bank doing IT work, and it was, he just really matured beyond that. Um, Benson, however, well, wanted more of so, Larry, but, we have to. Larry, we're going to go on a break in a few minutes, so we will go on to your next son after the break. We don't really have time. Yeah, to and, I, and, and please cut me off if I'm, you know, I don't want to <laughs> Well, here's anybody, the music, so... so. <laughs> Thank you. 
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, Solving the Connections of Autoimmune Disease to Thyroid Problems, Fibromyalgia, Depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live here on Togginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Togginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm back with Larry Farris, my guest, who is talking to us about um, some of the alternatives he put in place uh, for his older boys instead of they, they wanted a high school experience, but they didn't actually go back to high school completely, but they transitioned into their community colleges. Um, and we were talking about um, Spencer and how he spent just a year, was it, at, at the local high school? That's right. Yeah, and did you did you say to him, well, you know, you're you're in for a year, and that's it. You know, you can't just kind of do it for a few weeks and go, that was no good, <laughs> and come out. Yeah, he started some some programs that were year long commitments. The okay. AP classes and such. You can't take the test until the second semester. So yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, he would have lost the the time if he didn't finish on. And the other side is that what I do like about the local schools, there are things that are tough gaps for parents to deal with: yeah. choirs, band, orchestra, chemistry, physics. Um, if you don't have the right equipment for biology, there's some things that the local schools really help with that it's difficult for parents to do on their own. And, and that thing we've always relied upon, you know, the, some resource to, to fill in the blank in hard sciences. Um, we, you know, we have a strong commitment in our family to hard science. And, uh, so all of our kids have taken some sort of a hard science curriculum from uh, a resource center or a public school or something like that. And that was the other side. Spencer was in some of the top choirs and, 
yeah. doing some of that stuff and later got a scholarship because of his music background. So, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a complete write off, but it, but, but emotionally it was a challenge for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great that you were able to use your local high school in that capacity. Yeah, yeah. So now tell us, tell us um, the the track that Vincent took. I mean, you, you you were starting to talk about your second son. Yeah, he um, he decided to. There's a program in Arizona that they have a they have a local public private partnership that is essentially an adult trade school that offers I don't know twenty thirty different programs from because you can become a licensed massage therapist you can become licensed in cosmetology you can get your auto mechanics certification and uh, film flight you know all those kind of adult trade programs well they offer it down to juniors and seniors in high school it's free it's paid for as if you're going to a state uh, high school and you get high school credit for it. And that was an area that Benson transitioned into, and he he went half days, um, several days a week to it's called East Valley Institute of Technology EBIT, and uh, and and got certified in computer building, maintenance, and repair. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a just it was a great formative process for him, and the students were, you know, more focused on a specific you know specific thing, and and uh, so that's one of the ways that he kind of filled in the filled in the blanks with the, with the public process was to go and do the more trade and technical stuff. Yeah. And um, and then, and then uh, my yeah, and then my youngest son, he's again he's strongly engaged in music, and so we saw a charter school that he goes to part time, um, and they have a um, they have a strong music program for composition and and. Um, and you know, and they're they're strong in the composition frame. So we you know we have him there. He likes dance and he likes he likes music. And so he studies his homeschool curriculum at home and he attends the charter school for dance and music. And he's taken some yeah. some college classes as well that are yeah. kind of that framework. And and yeah. so, but the 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 point the the point I know we're short on time. So here's the here's the shout or the the encouragement I want to, want to make to moms and dads is that. Um, Every student who graduates from high school has gaps and holes in their education. Every student does. It doesn't matter. Homeschool, public school, private school, elite charter schools, doesn't matter. And those gaps are going to be based upon a lot of things. Interest levels, where you sit for three weeks, uh, you know, um, what your actual talents in it. it. It's just going to happen. And, and there are students that by the time they're 17, 18, they clearly have proclivities towards certain things. They're going to be stronger in certain things and weaker in certain things. And, and so the first encouragement I have to parents is don't worry about the gaps. We all have them. Acknowledge that. It's just going to happen. And, you know, I'm 48, I think, years old, 47, 48. And, you know, there are big gaps in my professional, you know, background. And yet I'm, you know, highly compensated, respected professional in my field. But mm-hmm. there are things that I'm just not that great at. And then I think it's I think it's helpful for parents to kind of keep that in perspective. And then also to kind of back off and say, what is really essential for a student to transition to a college? Mm-hmm. Well, they have, you know, they have to be able to read and write at an 8th to 10th grade level. And, uh, and, and that's getting easier. I mean, the, the levels are dropping so fast. It's, it doesn't take that much. Uh, the writing level is, you know, make sure you can write a five paragraph essay and format that well and you'll do fine. If you can write a five paragraph, paragraph essay, come to three paragraphs that have, you know, some level of coherence that the average person can understand it and such, you're probably ready at that point to be tutored and brought into, uh, an English 101 freshman English writing where they'll, you know, they'll either Either take what you've got and work with it, or they'll 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 lift you a little bit. 
Um, you should probably be able to have algebra where you can, you know, multiply, divide, add, and subtract across an equal sign and use some variables. And that's about it. You can get, you know, that'll get you into college algebra and you're ready for your freshman year. And then, you know, some social science background and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a fairly low standard. It doesn't take that much to, to be an accomplished, you know, quote, high school student. And the idea that we do it in the United States in 12 years, now 13, it seems to me a bit ludicrous that mm-hmm. that you know most of our students could really prepare for high school and I, I have a good friend George Tron I mean I the story he was amazing Vietnamese refugee kid that you know he finished he, he learned English and finished his master's degree in a few years yeah. all together you know yeah. and, uh, and you know from beginning and uh, so you know the idea that we spend so much time in the classroom I think is a whole lot about socialization I think it's a whole lot about trying to teach a certain way of being as a citizen in society rather than trying to teach what is essential to, uh, you know, the, well, I suppose, I suppose behavior is good too, but, but, you know, we're not, we're not spending that much time learning algebra. We're not spending that much time learning, uh, you know, factual history. We're not spending that much time learning to read and to write. And, uh, so to parents say, look, the bar is pretty low and recognize you're going to have some gaps. Focus on those things that are really essential. Get, make sure they can read. Make sure they can write. Make sure you get some fundamental math. If you've got fundamental math, you can then, if you can read and write and do math, then you can transition into, into sciences. And if you can read and write, then you can study whatever you want in the social sciences. Exactly. And, um, so, you know, and then that's kind of, you know, branch out from there. Yeah, well, that was kind of, that was my my um, driving force, really, was just, just to um, nurture the love of learning more than anything else. And so once they could read and mm-hmm. write, they found that they could go and find out about anything they wanted to find out, anything they were interested in that was in a book or now that's on a computer and, and doing research. You know, there's, there's a lot of that out there. And, you know, I don't know sure. about you, Larry, but I'm still learning. You know, right. as you say, there are there are gaps. Gaps will happen. It depends on the child where those gaps will be, because a child may not be interested in everything that the teacher is, is teaching them at that mm-hmm. particular time. And so, yeah. um, as I was homeschooling my children, I went, "Oh my gosh, I didn't even know I was interested in this or whatever." Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't really matter if your child is not really, really, really interested in certain things. As they get older, they will be, you know, eventually. If that, if the need arises, I suppose, if they suddenly have mm-hmm. a, have friends who are discussing something political, they'll have to go and, and find out a little bit more so that they can contribute to the discussion or not. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's just. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I totally agree. It, it doesn't have to be pressure filled. I think when we were you know younger, uh, there was a lot of performance anxiety for us for parents. But um, as I see my kids now, as they've matured out, um, I realize that you know they God brings them to us with certain personalities and proclivities, and you know our our role is to sample the buffet. And certainly, uh, number one is is help them to get this, you know, love of learning. The other thing for me as a professional, I have found that, you know, my kids are pushing me. You know, my, let's just say my 14-year-old, I I graduated a bachelor's of science degree, and, you know, my program was essentially in finance, but it was a small college, so it was just general management. And um, we had to have a 400-level calculus class in our major. And, but my major was finance, and so I took calculus where it was uh, an X and Y axis. I only had two dimensions of my axis. But Spencer was differentiating and doing min-max calculations on three. You know, he was using X, Y, and Z axis when he was young. So one of my point being, that's probably a bunch of gobbledygook geek speak that people don't care about, but um, it's that your children can push you, you know, that they'll, they'll gain a level of interest that is beyond your experience. 
And so that can be, you know, that can be a push and it's caused me, I've, I've loved learning alongside my kids. I've learned so much. It's been so fun and Little House in the Prairie and Huck Finn and all the great uh, modern classics. And yeah, that's fun. right. That's right. Um, well, you know what we were, you, you sit there and you say, say, um, ask the question with your child, you know, what, what are you trying to do? Where are you trying to go and why, you know, we, we kind of have these conversations with our children to try and find out what it is that drives them. And sometimes your children have so many interests and there isn't one prevailing interest, or maybe they don't really know. They, they still haven't found that passion. So what do you do? I mean, you can't, it's difficult as a mom or a dad to be a careers officer, you know? So Mm -hmm. what do you do? How do we, how do we come up with ideas for our children when they seem to be hitting brick walls? I had some standards for my children. One of them is, um, it was essential for me to have music in my home and my wife plays piano. I don't, and it's been an enormous handicap for me. I love music and I've directed choirs and that, that worship with the Lord is important to me. So, so as a dad, you know, the principal in the in the school, I said, you're going to practice piano several days a week, 15 to 20 minutes a day, period, until you can show me that you can effectively play 12 different hymns out of the hymn book. And you can even memorize and select those hymns if you want to. But you must get yourself a level of standards where you can comfortably and easily call upon any time in church, come up and play for the men's group or Sunday school. You know, 12 different hymns from, from different genres throughout the book. So there's a communion meeting, and there's going to be a men's meeting. There's going to be a youth meeting. There's going to be opening. There's going to be closing. There's going to be praise and worship. Give me 12 different songs. Well, I knew that by the time you master the piano well enough to play 12 different hymns, hymns are not that easy, frankly. But by the time you could play 12 different hymns, they would either know they had a passion or not. Yeah. But I was going to make them, even if they didn't develop that passion, I was going to make them get all the way. Well, we've been lucky enough, and all three of my boys have developed that passion, and all of them have great, great interest in music. So some of them are standards. Some of them we just say, you know, I'm the dad, you're the kid, sorry, but you got you got to follow me on this one. Others are just sample the buffet, and, and yeah. then we say, okay, you know, uh, Spencer, for example, registered for a course at the college that was, I said, hey, try the medical world, let's see it. So he took... Um, he took a course that was um, a medical offers records or something like that because it's a potential job course as well. And, and no, medical office terminology, that's what it was. And, and he got this big, huge, expensive dictionary book and it had a bunch of pictures. And in those pictures were people oozing and bleeding and swelling yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And he opened the book, he looked for it for 10 minutes, and he turned green and he said, Dad, I said, no, that's not no. me. <laughs> and that was fine. It was, we could see that he truly sampled it. He was there. And that was part of it. We'll be back in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. 
Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright. Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. minutes left so i'm going to ask you um a question that a lot of homeschool parents i think have in this day and age with the high expense of college how important is college oh that's so fascinating i have to tell you an inside story so i mean you know vivian i you know you and i have had some really unique professional experiences and we've been greatly blessed from that and I don't expect everybody else would relate to these things, but I was invited to go out to a TED Talk conference. I love TED Talks. And I was invited to go out to a TED Talk conference in New Orleans at Tulane University a few months ago. And um, after the conference, I went to this reception, and I was talking to two separate department heads, professor status PhDs in two different departments who didn't really know each other that well. And I went up to one, and I said, you know, I've got these kids there, and they're in the early 20s. I'm, I'm the dad. I'm having a hard time encouraging them in the traditional university process. And separately on two sides of the room, immediately each one of them said to that same point, they don't need it. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a waste of their time. Now, then they both followed. They said, I know who you are. You know, you're their dad. The fact that you're here and you're asking and stuff, he says, they're probably never going to need it. Unless they need a license or, a, you know, something that that is, uh, you know, you want to be a CPA, you want to be that, you know, that kind of thing. But both of these PhD department heads had said, you know, it's it's it, they don't need it, and they kind of bypassed on that. And then um, the other, so that was that was one that was kind of shocking to me that they're very much in the you know mainstream Tulane University. Um, uh, so I'm, 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 I'm challenged with that. But, but what I do like is, um, I like some of the alternative universities. I'm a big fan of Thomas Jefferson State College in New York. Mm-hmm. They have, are you familiar with their program, Vivian? No, I'm not. No. You guys talked about it. So they have a program. They reach out to the military and, uh, in order to serve the military, they're a state, you know, state licensed, mm-hmm. fully credentialed, but they allow you to just take the final exam on any class that you want to take. Oh, right. And oh. they have this whole program for it. And, and, you know, if you get a high enough score, then you get the credit 
and and it's cheap, and and they'll allow you to get an entire bachelor's degree in psychology and business, and I think there's a BSN in nursing that you're already a nurse you get that. But if you bachelor's degree, you can complete entirely without ever stepping foot on campus, and you can do it quickly and cheaply. And I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one. I've got a friend here in Arizona that he's encouraged his children to do that, and then afterwards they do they go to law school. Mm-hmm. In, in California, all correspondence, and then he has them kind of finish their life by all passing the California State Bar. And they both do whatever they want. Some of them become attorneys. One of them is a pilot. You know, there's a biologist or something like that. One of them is working on a CTA designation. So I'm having a hard time right now with the whole university thing. I, I, I have something like 260 semester hours myself. I had a great experience in my experience in college with Linfield. It was a wonderful program for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm having a hard time with, um, with, with that concept. And mm-hmm. if I can go one point for it, I don't know what our time is, but um, I'm finding that access to the what information, the information the what, is so easy nowadays over the Internet that yeah. – and, and even knowing how to find the what. You know, when you and I were in school, I remember I spent hundreds of hours in law libraries and research libraries and such, digging through and blowing off the books and finding the indexes and such. That is no longer a relevant skill set. You just don't need those skill sets anymore. And so finding the what and is, is easy, and knowing the what is irrelevant because you can pick it up at the dinner table on a smartphone. It's the how and the why that is really important in our society to solving problems. And universities are not doing a great job at getting past the what education and getting into the how and why education. And, and that's, that's where you and I, we have to continue to educate ourselves into how to do things, why to do things, and how to solve problems. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, that's the area that I'm, I'm – my, my vote's out yet. I'm not seeing – Great product as an employer, great product as a business leader. I, I, you know, I interact with lots of business people, and it frustrates me that you know the top businesses in America are not led by people of American origins. You know, mm. we're we're all importing talent in order to run the complexities of our businesses because, you know, our universities aren't preparing people very well for that. So yeah. that's yeah. that's my rant, and thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, and I had and I had a uh, one of my son's college professors on the show. <laughs> And he was, he was an anti-homeschooler until he met my son. And he said now he can pick out the homeschoolers in his class from all the other students in his class because they come to the class with a completely different dynamic than anybody else. They're much more interested, much more focused, much more involved. So, you know, we're, I, think, I think as homeschoolers, you know, we, we have the edge. And sometimes if we send them off to college for the whole four years, they might lose some of that edge. So, you know, I'm with you. And I would like to discuss this further, Larry. So you're going to have to come on again. We can't wait two years. Okay? <laughs> you're going to have to come on again. And we're going to have to talk about college and really thrash this out, you know. And you have a lot, a lot to say about um, science, I think, you know, what's out there for um, as science books and textbooks and stuff. And we still have not talked about that. So we need to talk. About oh, my gosh. That. So I'm well, I do teach you on school. Okay. I do. I, I would love to do that. To I, show. I, that'd be wonderful. I will take one one point to say just a bait for a future discussion. I do teach a class to homeschool kids every other year here in Arizona. It's called Broken Science. And we take mm-hmm. the first four science textbooks you you would take in college. Mm-hmm. physics, chemistry, biology, and physical science. And we show them 300 fundamental errors in those textbooks and how to find that in the peer-reviewed journals. And uh, it's really exciting. It's really fun to get kids starting out 
understanding that there are fundamental truths that science is really not interested in pursuing because it doesn't meet their political agenda. But you can find it in the peer-reviewed journals and see these are, you know, this really is where it's coming from. So we'll, we'll have to discuss that sometime. And it's so been let's great do that. To be on let's the show. do I'm that so glad to have sometime you. later on this year. That's a plan. All right. I'll be calling you. That'd be All great. Right. Thanks for Larry, thank you so much for joining Cheers. me today. I've been talking to Larry Farris about some of the non-traditional fun ways of teaching high schoolers um, to pre- prepare either for college or interns or mission work, wherever they're going to go. Um, just follow your dreams, your children's dreams, and you can have fun. Use your community resources. Just, you know, sort of sample the buffet. And I think, you know, open your, your children, get them enthusiastic about what you're enthusiastic in first. And then after that, they can kind of branch out if they don't have the same passion that you do. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation with Larry um, this afternoon or this morning um, if you're in America. Um, Have a great weekend, Larry. Thank you so much for joining me today and Happy New Year. All right. Well, looks like Larry's gone. So are you ready to start relieving stress before it even starts? Do you want to begin the new year with a fresh attitude? Wow your children with the new mellow you. Surprise yourself with the gift of time. And I'm not talking about, you know, kind of, I don't know, a little whiskey before you do something or something like that. I'm talking about your whole inside, you know, your whole attitude. And I did this 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 morning because you know that I take yoga and I did this long yoga class, except it was a 90-minute class and I didn't quite have 90 minutes and I did not beat myself up about it. So I took half yesterday and half this morning. And it was for the new year. And the first half was kind of letting go of all the bad stuff that happened to you in the old year. And, and, you know, it wasn't necessarily bad stuff like our flat sail falling through. It might might be stuff that kind of occurred, a little bit of unhappiness maybe, you know, problems with the family, perhaps a death or whatever. And um, we did a moving meditation, which was really nice. You know, it kind of gets your body moving because I'm a dancer, so I like to get my body moving. And then the second half of it was bringing in the, you know, sort of new things that are going to happen to you in the new year. Some things that you can look forward to that you don't even know are going to happen yet. So, I mean, we all have our plans, but be open to those things that are going to come along that take you by surprise. And, and um, so that was another form of meditation. Then we ended it with just kind of lying on the ground and just kind of chilling out for about 15 minutes. It was really nice because I just got up and I was able to lie down and close my eyes again and have a, have a nice little rest. So it's really nice to do that kind of thing for yourself. It really does relieve stress. And, um, you know, it's important to try and do something like that every day and I tend to I find myself each day praying for the particular child whose day that is and that goes back to when the children were really small Um, their father would call them during lunchtime and they always rushed to the phone I want to answer I want to answer it so in the end we came up with the scheme that Monday was my oldest son's um, day Tuesday was his his brother's and then Wednesday was my older daughter and Thursday was my youngest daughter. And so on any of those days when the phone rang, they would be the first one to go answer the phone to speak to their dad. And they were also allowed to go check the mailbox. And, you know, those simple pleasures, what happened to those simple pleasures? I mean, checking the mail was a big thing. But anyway, so I find myself, you know, on a Monday, I pray for my, my oldest son. And on, a, you know, Thursday, it's my youngest daughter. And on a Friday, I added, I've added my blue-eyed cowboy on Friday. And on Saturdays, I try to pray for myself. But, you know, mum gets so involved in um, all their children's lives that when I, when I try to just pray for myself, other 
people kind of come into my prayer. I find that the hardest thing is praying for myself. So I let other people pray for me. And all this is all well and good and it's foundational stuff, but how do we stop that short fuse from erupting? How do we spare our nearest and dearest the sight of our own personal unique meltdown when things are just spiraling out of control? You know, when your child spills her milk all over your date book at the table or her food just as dinner starts and dissolves into tears. Well, what do you do? Well, you breathe. That's the first thing you do is breathe. And I know we all know how to breathe, but you know what? When we're hyperventilating, we sort of forget to breathe and, and we lose it all. So if you can just sort of take a deep breath, you know, your, your mother and your grandmother used to say, count to 10. That's the same as taking a nice deep breath and letting it out. And if you do that, maybe your husband will have cleaned up the milk by the time you've finished breathing or your dog may have lapped it up off the floor or whatever. And it looks as though I'm getting to the end or coming to the end of my time with the show. And um, I am going to be with Ali Laprit on Monday at 7 o'clock Central. I'll be a guest on This Little Parent Stayed Home. And I think we're talking about homeschooling, which you'll have to tune in to find out. Because you know what? With Ali, we could be talking about anything. And um, with me, we could talk about anything, too. I just live for homeschool. You see, you don't have to talk about homeschool. When I'm on, it is about homeschool. And <coughs> anyway, my best friend is cooking a birthday lunch for me now as we're speaking. So that's where I'm off to next. I'll be there in about 10, no, 20 minutes, Pam. And on Sunday, I'm going to Lindale again to visit a winery and have a couple of walks, I hope. And Saturday will probably take down the tree in time for Epiphany. So I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Tokenet Radio. Happy New Year to you all. My guest this week, Larry Farris, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Pamela, slaving over a hot stove for me. Stove for me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian.